just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Hello and welcome back to Life Today Live. I am Jordan Brinkshredder, your host for today, and let me tell you, you are in for a treat. A lot of us are talking about therapy and how we really need to go, but it is super expensive and a lot of people are put off by the idea, but I do have some really great news for you. Today's book, Break Up With What Broke You, it is therapy in a book for just $18.99. I am super excited to dive in. There's so much truth, so much wisdom, and things that you need to hear today. Our author for today is Christian Bevere. Christian, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, Jordan, it's my pleasure. And thank you for saying my last name right. Yes. <laughs> do people normally get it wrong? What do they normally say? We've heard beaver, oh. beaver. Now we live in Tennessee, so I think we're just opening up to all new pronunciations. But yeah. you just got to roll with it. it. I mean, my yeah. last name is Brinkschroeder. Nobody ever really gets it right. So maybe, you know. We yeah, get it. First name basis. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you've you've written before, but this is your first solo book. So how are you feeling about it? And what need did you see for Break Up With What Broke You? Yeah, the other books that I've worked on have been with my husband and siblings. And so it's been really neat just to pour into like the heart. But this book was, you no, know, this is an outpouring of the lessons I wish I would have had. It's very vulnerable, very personal, and honestly, very redemptive too. And so for me, it was the need that I wish I had back when I was younger, but then also going forward, the the power of testimony that I was like, no, this needs to be at the forefront and it needs to be coupled with our fears, our anxieties, our insecurities need to be coupled with shame and truth and hope. That's the only way that we find power and truth and overcoming those. So to me, it was this marriage of the good and the bad in my life and finding the real power of them both and God's purpose and plan throughout my life. That's so awesome. You talk about the importance of the difference between moving on versus moving through. Is there a time in your life where you were trying to move on, but you realized, oh my gosh, I really need to move through? And how did you navigate that? Yeah. So I'm so excited. This book is called Breakup with What Broke You because the analogy, especially women will understand of like breakups, they are messy, but oftentimes they are needed, especially if the relationship was troublesome, toxic, you know, abusive. You need to have a severance of this relationship. And it's hard to break up with someone if you don't know their name. You can't just ghost them or be like, sayonara, we're done. You have to actually look them in the eyes, confront them and say, hey, this is what's not working. And this is the relationship that's ending. We need the same thing in our own life. I can't just say, oh, well, there were some bad things in my past and I don't like this. I'm making these wrong decisions. I don't know why, but I'm going to be a good Christian and go to church and I'll be okay. That's the pattern that I saw in my own life that I've seen in other people's lives where we're just trying to mask it and say, God, love it away, like fix it, heal me. But we're not doing the own partnership of confronting and saying, okay, the Lord, this is where I messed up. This is the foothold that I gave more power to than I gave to you. This is the identity I've been taking on. And we need that, that journeying through, as you're talking about, we need to journey through the process of, of heartbreak, of healing, of where did my shame come from? Why do I feel like I'm less than? Why do I feel like when I enter a room, I have to hide 
These are the questions that are probes and pinpricks of understanding areas that God wants to do more in your life. And so it's not a punishment and it's not something you always have to live with, but you do have to journey through it and um, often take the uncomfortable route of just saying, Lord, I'm going to humble myself before you search me, know me, not just my heart, but my past. And if we will, if we're brave enough to do that, I think we will see no, I know we will see a huge breakthrough because that's my that's my story. And I've seen it for other people that have gone through this book as well. Yeah, that's so awesome. I think one of the hardest things is to really pinpoint the moments that make us feel the way that we do today. Right. And so you talk about in the book, make sure that you pinpoint the moments that, you know, have you've maybe first felt shame or regret or that fear. And so I love that you talk about three really key steps, break down, break away, and break through. Can you kind of touch on those things and how we can apply those to our own lives? Yeah, you know, you mentioned therapy earlier, and by no means am I a therapist, but I love seeing that when we let God be the director of our healing journey, and this is not to weed out counseling, therapy, whatever, but I've seen so many ways where um, now that I've written the book and I've done research, there's a coupling of these practices and this psychological um, endeavors that you can go down. I'm like, wow, God, that was really just you leading me on these different aspects. But it rings true of we do need to see like we would in a therapy session. Okay, when did you first feel this way? What was your childhood like? And journeying through that. So um, in the first stage of the book, we go through comparison, shame, anxiety, for me, at least things that ring true in my life, but also for others, different areas where we can commonly start to fall into these traps and these ways of thinking. Um, I started there because one, just commonality of people that have the same story, but also like we need to first identify, even if it's something that feels silly. For me, it was laying in bed at night and like putting the cape of my sheets over my bed and just feeling scared and like these, these battlings that led to being in high school and feeling like I had to please everybody and I couldn't be myself. And those things may seem core, uh, unrelated, but as we do this deep dive, as you're mentioning, we can say, wow, I really let this one tiny lie fester and grow to where it is today. And sometimes when that goes unchecked, Jordan, we get to the moments of, well, goodness, how did I get here? This is not the path I chose. This is not the way I wanted to reflect myself or honor Christ, but I don't even know why I'm doing it. So I guess I'll just stay here it must be who I am. Yeah, That is such a lie. And often the enemy works through shame because if he can get you to say, well, this is just who I am. There's no way forward. I'm too dirty. God can't use me. It's game over. But we don't really see that that has been weaving and working for years on end. So if you can identify, well, where is an area where I did start to feel fear? Why am I anxious? Maybe it started here. We can begin to understand that route and not saying going there gives the enemy all this like power of like, wow, you were doing so much, but just saying, God, this are, these are the areas that I want you to redeem. Even if it is something that started way long ago, he can do that backtracking and he's not limited to time and reality. So I don't think he's limited to time in our own lives as well. Oh, girl, that is so good. That is so good. <laughs> so many good things I would love to touch on. So, you know, you talk about going back to the root of the problem. I love that you say like sometimes we don't even realize where, why we're acting a certain way and we kind of chalk it up to, oh, that's our personality or, oh, that's the trauma that happened to me. And 
a lot of times we really just need to go back and take responsibility of we can't change what has happened to us or the choices that we've made, but we can change how we work through them and how we react to them and how we respond to those similar situations in the future. And that's a lesson that I'm trying to learn right now. And it's so hard, but I think that it really all just comes down to, you know, are you really spending time with the Lord and just even having a conversation with him about it? I love the fact that you talked about, you know, search me and know me, show me, you know, the things in my life that I may not realize are hindering me from truly fully walking with you and and living your plan to the fullest. So I think that's so good. And I love that you speak about, you know, doing the inner work on ourselves is not the glamorous thing to do. And that's why we love retail therapy, but we hate like actual therapy and relatable. I'm like, send me to wherever with my card and I will feel so much better. So (laughs) yes. And then you walk out with your outfit and you're just feeling so good. And you're like, ah, I can push that down for another day or I can ignore the situation for another day because we have those temporary fixes. I think the world loves to give us temporary fixes when he wants to give us a true you know, internal, you know, fix for, for good. Um, and so my question to you is, you know, how do you stay rooted in continuously doing this inner work when sometimes it isn't glamorous, when sometimes you don't want to do it or you don't feel like it? Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's a struggle for, for everyone. And for someone that's felt this way for years, it's gone through unimaginable and unspeakable things to someone that just made one wrong decision yesterday. It's because this wave comes over us. And the important thing I think to highlight here is the difference between shame and conviction. Now we know about repentance. If you've gone to church for any length of time, you've heard that um, conviction leads to repentance. It's a great thing because it gets us back to God's heart. But if we're in this lane of, well, I don't like that I made that decision. This is for me. I was very much a perfectionist, which go deeper in the book, but uh, that's linked to shame. So if you're like, oh, me too, you know, we might be a little bit more kindred there and sorry to put this diagnosis on you, but let's dive into that. Why do you feel like you have to be a perfectionist? Mm -hmm. That's a rabbit hole we'll say for another time, but understanding if you feel like, man, every decision I've ever made, that just means that God can't love me. That just means that I did those for some reason. That's a shame response where we feel like because I've done wrong, now I have to try to work harder to cover that up, whether it is something like we mentioned retail therapy of like, oh, well, I just want to get this feeling away. Or it is, man, I I was, this isn't reality. This is hypothetical speaking. I don't want to be misquoted here. I was in the club last night. I was hooking up with someone. <laughs> I better go to church and serve tomorrow. Like we try to just cover up things. Mm-hmm. And when we bury something far under the surface, it begins to fester and infest every area of our life. So it could be, I made a wrong decision because someone cheated on me and I was trying to prove to myself that I was lovable, but now I am taking that very thread and weaving it discord among other areas of my life where I'm gonna treat my family differently. I feel all of these things bubbling to the surface, but if we can say, okay, shame and conviction, they're not feelings, they're directions. Mm -hmm. And how we choose, you said this earlier, how we choose to act going forward from there Every day is a new beginning, not because they're unimportant or we can just swipe them under the rug, but because God's redemption and his mercy is available and it's more powerful than anything we've done in our past. So when we relinquish that to him and we say, Lord, I don't, I don't choose this anymore. I don't want this way of life. 
I want you. I want you to be bigger than my anxiety. I want you to be bigger than the way I'm comparing myself to others. It's a new breath of fresh life on these things that we've allowed to fester inside of us. And I just want to say for anyone listening, there is a new future available to you. There is power and he is bigger than anything you're going through. But like you said, we can't just spend time with him and hope that it fixes everything. No, we have to actually get raw and real the same way. If something's not working in my marriage, I can't just take my husband on a date and expect it to get better. No, we need to talk about why is this not working? And then you know, have the the romance coupled with that. So it's a twofold relationship where, yes, God's a gentleman. Yes, he's there. Yes, we're supposed to delight in him. But we also need to sometimes have those Israel moments. We need to wrestle with God. We need to wrestle with the things inside and allow him into this deeper level where it's not just the surface, but he is actually coming into our heart and we're opening the doors for that. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love that you talk about wrestling with God because that's been something that I've been trying to, actively do because a lot of times I'm a perfectionist just like you and so when I was reading Sorry, through was the book right you. oh you so were you <laughs> added me so hard and I love it I appreciate it because I need it and we need to do that to ourselves we need my mom would always say growing up girl you better check yourself before you wreck yourself and a yes. lot of times we don't check ourselves because we're scared of wrecking ourselves right and so mm-hmm. we just ignore that or we ignore situations or we kind of have a lukewarm relationship with God because we don't really want to go there. We don't really want to have those conversations, not only with him, but to actually admit it to ourselves of the things that we've gone through or the things we've felt or experienced. And so, you know, I really loved when you talked about your own experience with shame in your book. Could you kind of touch on that and and what God showed you through that experience? Yeah. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir because I was in the choir. Like everything you're talking about, I felt the same way. To me, I couldn't admit things that I had done. And here's the reality. I knew everything I was doing, but I couldn't actually say, man, Christian, you are doing this and that, and you're doing that because of these reasons, because like you said, it felt detrimental. I thought if I admit those things to myself or I admit I have a problem, there's no going back because I do feel like I have to be the perfect Christian. I do feel like I have to be the perfect daughter. And Where's the hope if I meant that I haven't been? But I've seen how as God's reconstructed my idea of who I am, what my worth is, how to serve him, it has been the most freeing and liberating thing. So I had shame carried from, as I trace it back, early childhood, just always feeling like I didn't quite measure up to who others wanted me to be, or it was this uh, impossible journey to be on. And through that made decisions where when I realized this is a standard I can't live up to, might as well try to live up to different standards. What does this guy that I'm dating want me to be? What are these friends that I'm making uh, want me to be? And it was just this endless journey and this very much a perfectionist persona where I was trying to be whoever and my hobbies change, you know, Jordan, it was, it's crazy looking back. So I was like, that wasn't me. What? I don't even like that. I didn't even like that guy, but here I am trying to please people because I wasn't pleasing myself. Mm. And it led to, as I actually came closer to, with God, and I think this is a great to mention right now, because sometimes when you have been in the fault of that for so long, and you do start to take those first steps of saying, okay, God, I'm going to let you in to this level, and we're going to go deeper. The enemy's going to try to come back and say, oh gosh, but I don't think God really wants you there. Or man, that's really despicable. How dare you? Mm-hmm. And so I would get, I, I made the huge leap and bound in my relationship with with Christ and actually letting him in deeper instead of just growing up Christian my whole life. 
And then I got to a point where God had led me to my now husband and we were engaged and I was just seeing him redeem things in my life. But in my mind, I was thinking, but God, I've done this. I've done that. I can't, I can't be a part of this man that loves God. That's in ministry. Like how dare I'm this, I'm the Rahab in this story. No, thank you. And I said, you need to give him a blonde, like pristine girl that's never sinned in her life. Like, you just need to fix this. I'll go away. Very self-sabotaging behavior. I think that accompanies shame oftentimes. And I felt God humor me and say, okay, where is she? Can you go find her for me? I was like, well, I don't know anyone that's ever messed up, but surely she's out there because that's who I think I'm supposed to be. And he said, that does not exist. I, (laughs) like, I'm bigger than your past. I put you here. You cannot outrun your past, but you can live for a better future. Mm. And he brought me to Isaiah and talking about this double portion blessing. And Jordan, in that moment, it was like scales fell from my eyes. And I realized I have made mistakes and I have seen God's grace, but I have this double portion where I've equally seen how far God will go to redeem his bride and how good his glory is and how how life-giving that can be. So we can make this turn. We can have this redemption in our life. And we see it throughout the Bible. There's so many testimonies and stories that I include in the book of people he's done this for. But I think the the shift we have to make, the veil that has to be torn in our own lives is, but can he do this for me? Yeah. He will, he can, if if we let him. Mm-hmm. And that's do often we, the, big, the hardest thing. Yeah. Do we believe that he will do it for us? And will we accept and receive that blessing? One of the biggest things that I took away is when you touched on James 1 7 and you talked about the importance of gift versus reward could you touch on that a little bit because I think that kind of ties into everything that we're talking about oh yeah especially when there's a correlation with relationships and we think about you know getting the perfect spouse Mm. and we think okay if this is a gift or reward a reward means I've done everything perfect I deserve this this is a granted guarantee for my good behavior and a gift is a reality of, in my own doing, I cannot do anything to deserve this. I cannot do anything to deserve grace, uh, the right family, a, a rewarding life. But it's his gift that he lavishes on us, one, because he cares. And one, I also think, so my son is one years old. Christmas time comes around. I'm going to give him gifts, not because he's done everything perfect. Like he's you know, there's been days where he's thrown stuff when he wasn't supposed to, but it's because I love him so deeply. I'm going to give him things and hopefully continue to steward him in a way where he will appreciate those. And I'm able to keep giving him gifts and he is worthy of, of using those. And it's the same for us. Like, no, I don't deserve anything. No, we don't deserve anything that God gives us, but let us walk in a way that is worthy of the gifts that he gives us in redemption and sanctification is the greatest gift that we can have, not because we did anything, but because Christ went on our behalf, laid down, seeing everything, everything we have and will do wrong and looked at us and still said, I believe in you and I love you enough to to die for you, to give you the greatest gift I could ever give you. And we, I just don't think we do enough. We take enough time to realize what that means for our lives and how many areas it touches. It doesn't just mean you're allowed to come to church now or you'll get into heaven one day. Like, no, you live in a place that honors heaven on earth and you walk in that. You, you, Everyone has a ministry and everyone can reach people, not because someone's better than the other, but because we've received this gift and now let's go and tell others about it. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I loved when you talked about 
you were in a relationship that didn't really serve you and you felt that you didn't deserve you know being with the husband that you have now how did you navigate that because I think a lot of times you know we talk about the standards that we need to have as young women growing up of save yourself for marriage be pure you know this is really your only option if you want to honor God and then we don't really talk about the what ifs what if we slip up what if we you know don't honor God in some of our decisions in choosing to wait whatever that looks like right um, how did how did you navigate that? How did you work through that? Yeah, it very much started with God and I. And I think that's an important note here is anyone that is in that camp of, well, I want to have a God-honoring marriage, but I've made mistakes, especially if you're still single or engaged, take that time to journey with God and, and what that means of, Lord, whether it was self-inflicted or someone has done this to me, mm-hmm. There's a reality that the gift that I wanted to give to someone has now been altered. And one, I need your healing in that because of the repercussions that happens. You know, it's not just a physical experience, it's uh, emotional, it's mental. And that's the case of whether it's not even just your sexuality, but it is any area of your life where like, Lord, I wanted to be this pristine example to lead others to you. I wanted to to be the father, I wanted to be the mother, but especially in relationships, because I think for women, we are designed to be loved and we're designed designed to love others. And it's no coincidence to me that I've seen our sexuality, especially as women and our identity be so just tainted. I think that's the best word for how society is painting it today. But I've seen women go from a place of you know, probably when we were in high school, it was like, well, don't do that. Don't do it. It's not good. And so we had to work through that. But now it's completely the pendulum swung to, well, it is good. So do it however you want to. Both of those, I think, does not give full credit to God's design for marriage and for sexuality, which is a coupling for a couple. Now we are coupling outside of being a couple. We're a coupling outside of marriage. We feel like Oftentimes we have to present ourselves as this desired being because people aren't getting married. So you have to be the, the hottest, the funnest, whatever it may be, instead of realizing my identity, my worth is a woman of God. And that's what I'm going to stand in and walk in. And the right man will appreciate that, will serve that, will um, guard that. But um, I regress. Let me go back. If we have been in a state where that's not our reality we've made decisions that we shouldn't have. I think likely, and oftentimes I say this in the book, we give into believing lies because of what we hope to gain from them. Mm-hmm. So if you were in a dis- you're in the valley decision right now, when it comes to this topic, or you have made a mistake realizing, and some, a mentor said this to me, she said, any decision you've made that was altered to what you wanted to do, I want you to ask yourself why. And I was like, well, just because, you know, like I'm dirty, I'm bad, like I messed up. She's like, no, you were looking for love. Yeah. And I realized, man, that my most of my life and my adolescence, I was just looking for someone to tell me that I was enough, that I was worthy and I was desirable. And I let that become the loudest voice to the point of doing things I didn't even want to do, doing things I wish I wouldn't have. And I realized in that moment, I I released part of the pain that that caused because I I realized I wasn't just trying to do things out of God's plan. I just really wanted to know I was loved. And it was painful, Jordan, because I realized, man, God was telling me that the whole time. But the people I was hanging out with, what I was watching, what I was listening to, 
was telling me the only way to achieve said goal mm -hmm. was through this instance. Mm -hmm. And I want to fortify any, especially any young woman listening to this, you will have desires and the enemy is going to use those to lead you astray. So it's not always just the bad things of like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to party. We mentioned the club earlier. No, it's often the good things. And we see that in the Garden of Eden is the enemy tempted Eve with good. And he said, well, you want to be like God tempted David and so many other people with these good desires and puts this half truth, this dirty spin on it. So we have to be vigilant when it comes to our sexuality, especially of not, well, sex is bad, so save it for your husband. <laughs> sex is beautiful and it's a gift and any gift needs to be open to the right timing. It needs to be guarded, needs to be protected. You are a woman of virtue. And so you also deserve and are modeled through Christ's relationship to be valued. So don't settle, and this is something I'm so passionate about and wish I had more space in the book to go into, but don't settle for anything that is half of what God's promised to you. Wait for that, because I had friends that looked at me and said, your standards are too high. You're never going to meet a guy like that. And what happened? Because I wanted to be loved so badly, and I wanted to get that right away and control that, I made decisions I wish I wouldn't have. But the beautiful truth, because I know this is a little somber, the beautiful truth is that God redeemed that desire to be loved, the same thing that led me to make decisions I wish I wouldn't have, to be what also fueled my desire to walk in his redemption fully. Because when I was engaged and I had met my husband and, and I went back to that moment of, oh no, I don't deserve this. Like he is what you promised me, God. He is this man of God who's a virgin and just amazing. I don't deserve that because I'm less than. Through God's intervention, I thought, man, I wanted to be loved so bad. And now that I have a man that will love me the way that God's promised me, I'm going to use that same desire to love him well, to love our children well. So I think there is, even the things that lead us astray, God can redeem to be something beautiful. Yeah, that is that is so beautiful. And I think it's such a great and, and vulnerable testimony. And thank you so much for sharing that with people. Because like I said, I don't think that it's something that's talked about enough and I love that you talk about you know we got to get to the root we got to go down everything's kind of going back everything's full circle of going yeah. down to that root and if we don't address it and we don't deal with it then you know maybe God brings you this gift and this blessing but then we bring our brokenness into that blessing you know or yeah. it continues generation after generation and so it really is up to us to to stand up and, and make that decision for change, but also to forgive ourselves. How did you, you know, you received the forgiveness from God and, and you repented, but how did you work on forgiving yourself? Mm. Such a vital component to the entire equation. And it's, you have to change how you see yourself. For me, I, yes, there's a component of I forgive and I have to let that be the the method I walk into of, okay, Lord, like I can't change any of this. And I know that you forgive me, so I'm going to forgive myself. But I also had to, in some of the ways I said, I had to see myself differently. I had to realize that I'm not what I've done. Shame often tells us that you are what you've done. The mistakes you've made makes you a mistake. And I had to realize, okay, these things no longer serve me. I no longer serve them. I can forgive the girl that I used to be because I am no longer that version of myself. That is not who God designed me to be. So I can forgive what has happened, what I've done, and I can walk in a new direction. To forgive ourselves and keep doing the same things, that's not true forgiveness either because we're just allowing the same model to happen. So we're not forgiving, we're making an allowance. Ooh. And as we've seen in our own world today, just making allowances for things and saying, oh, 
God loves you, God loves that, and not actually addressing things in truth, it's not true love. To address ourselves and, and forgive ourselves and say, oh, well, it's okay, well, I made a mistake, but I'll go to church on Sunday, or I'll do this, and it's okay, because mm -hmm. I love God and He loves me. That's not true forgiveness. Yeah. That's not truly loving ourselves. Yeah. Truly loving ourselves and forgiving ourselves says, I'm gonna address what happened, I'm gonna forgive it, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna break up with this instance, I'm gonna break up with this habit because when I, I love myself, I forgive myself enough to say, well, there's true moving on that needs to be happen, that needs to happen. And um, so that's kind of how I was able to forgive myself is, is knowing, man, I can see clearly, as you're saying, the roots of why this happened. I can see that I've entertained them. I can, and you mentioned this earlier, it's very key, take responsibility for my part in that story. Even if anyone that has gone through a traumatic event even if you were a victim of it, I can take responsibility for leaving that in the past. Sometimes we think, well, I can't forgive myself because someone else was in the equation or I'm I'm gonna carry this my whole life because someone did it to me. No, take responsibility for, but despite what has happened, I want the future I had planned for myself or God has purpose for me so, so much that I'm gonna forgive that, move on from that, relinquish that and set my eyes on where God's called me. It's the Hebrews 12 model that I love so much because we have been encountered by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us continue to go forward. And that's the whole, I think the parting idea that I leave with this book is like, let's continue forward. We've addressed the past. We've gone to the roots. We've identified that. But that is all for the purpose of keeping our eyes on the prize and the true mission. Yeah. And so anyone listening can have that goal of, okay, what does the future look like? How do I serve that? And how do I walk confidently, quickly, steadily in that direction? Yeah. You talk about uh, comparison. And I think it's so fun because a lot of times we look at somebody who is an influencer on Instagram, who is an amazing writer. And we're like, she struggled with comparison. You know, a lot of times we count certain people out of, of struggling with things. So could you go into how you struggled with comparison and what that looks like and, and how you deal with that now, even today from your past? Yeah, we're just hitting all the best topics. I'm so <laughs> glad you're asking, you're asking all the great questions, especially for this female to female dynamic. And one that's so key, like yeah. if you're going through this book or this season, do it with someone. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're like us and you're like, man, I just feel like I'm a perfectionist. You can be hard on yourself. Yeah. Maybe invite a, a loving voice into this. But yeah, comparison is something that plagues us all. Like you said, whether we like to admit the lady across from us is probably thinking the same thing. It's because it is heightened in this culture of, you know, we measure success. We have these accolades that um, like the top 50 this, the top five that, 30 under 30, you know, whatever it is. There's always a list for something. There's always a way to measure ourselves and other things. And so it's just a habitual way of thinking. But what really changed my view on this is the way that God gave me a dream. And I I know I struggled with comparison, but it was to the point where it just felt natural. It didn't feel over heightened. And I was like, oh yeah, everyone does that. But God gave me a dream where in short, I realized I was measuring God's creations these beautiful people that he spent time and intentionality to create, including myself, including others, and just using us as bartering. Like, oh, okay, well, I have this and she has that. I need to fix that. Or she has that and I have this. I must be doing pretty good. And realizing, man, I'm just taking what God has put so much desire and so much what he loves so dearly 
and using it as stacking sticks. Like that's not that's not fair to him. That's not fair to me. That's not fair to anyone else. It's not fair to her. Isn't that so no. sad that we do that? That we yes. really pit ourselves against each other as women when we should be building each other up and having this exactly. community together. Yeah, and we wouldn't admit that. Like, I wouldn't say, mm. oh, yeah, I just did Jordan and just thought, oh, well, this is her this, this, and this, and this is her her ex. No. <laughs> but we're, we're actually doing that. I don't think yeah. you have any ex. Just oh, thanks. Say. Not yet, yeah. anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and when we when we take the lens off of it and, like, the frufuness off of comparison and we see it for what it is, that in and of itself, I hope at least, will be a great way to break up with comparison. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do that. Same thing with like gossip. Gossip is really just tearing people down. Oh, well, I was just trying to keep up with what's going on. No, <laughs> like let's actually expose some of these things that we've made way too comfortable yep. in our daily lives. And, um, you know, you can do that without the book. Book will probably take it a little deeper, but um, comparison also reminds me of Exodus 2017, and it says, like, we shall not desire what is God's gift to others. Mm. And that, when it comes to envy, jealousy, comparison, was such a humbling truth because I thought, man, well, she just has what I don't have. No, God gave this woman, this person, someone you know, or someone you look at on Instagram, certain gifting, certain talents, and whether they're using that the best way or not. Let's focus on, okay, God, what have you given me? I think we over-focus on what we feel like we don't have, but maybe it's something we don't need. Maybe God has given you incredible wit and smarts to be able to create cures for things or to um, enact change in the world. Like, let's focus on the things in the past and in front of us so we don't miss it. Because I've realized I don't want to focus on something that God's doing in someone else's life and miss what he's called me to do. You know, if I've read someone else's book, come from a family of authors, this would be so easy to think, oh man, Lisa writes this way. I can never write that way. So I'm not going to write a book. Like what are the actual results of us comparing and what's at stake if we do? Yeah, That to me is like a big yellow flag. Let's slow down. Let's readjust. Yeah. Let's skirt and get back on the yeah. track that he has for us, not somebody else's that we're trying to like drive the right, side right. of. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. It's like the analogy of, I think if you're driving and you're looking at um, the rear view mirror or something on the side, you're going to begin to drive that way instead of straight ahead. So we have to keep our eyes ahead. Yeah. Got yeah. Focus. That's so good. And I love one of the key things that you said in the book was just because somebody else has successes doesn't rob you of yours. And that is so true. And that's something that helped me, you know, even when I was younger of like you know just because somebody else is pretty doesn't mean that you are xyz just because somebody else is yeah. successful doesn't mean like you said that your success isn't coming everybody has a season and a time and a place and but you mentioned a really important and key part is that we have to believe that for ourselves we have to have that truth for ourselves and re receive it from christ and not other people because it'll never yeah. be enough, even if other people are telling us all day that we're this, we're that, we're this. Oh, it'll yeah. never really truly fill that void that we're trying to fill from hearing from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And take comfort in that. Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> like, great? It's, it's such a reality for everyone. I have a friend that is drop dead gorgeous. Like when I tell you she could be Miss USA, she totally could. And she was telling me a story of how um, even when people were saying, you're so beautiful, it got to a point where it wasn't enough. She wanted them to say, you're the most beautiful woman mm. I've ever seen. And so any kind of either fear of man or glorification of man's approval will lead to this, this cycle that's unfulfillable. Yeah. 
because it's it's a focus on almost like a greedy I, I need this I need to know I'm enough I need to know I'm the most beautiful one so we have to get that from God because he's the only true measure and he's the only receiving that's like okay I receive that that's enough for me if you see me that way Lord that's enough yeah that is awesome thank you so much for for all of your good words today what is your hope for women who read this book or if you could leave them with one key piece of advice what would you give them uh, my hope would be that women everywhere stop letting their past determine their future, that they realize that they are worth more in the eyes of the Lord than probably in their own eyes, and that they do the hard yet brave, beautiful work of breaking up with anything that's tried to break them, anything that's like left them feeling less than, and just enter God's redemption that is waiting for them just once they tap into it. Yeah, so much goodness. Where can our audience connect with you more and where can they buy Break Up With What Broke You? We can connect on christianmavir.com if you can spell it, if not, Google <laughs> it, and I'm sure you'll find it. And I'm also wherever books are sold for the book. It's on Amazon, um, there's so many places, anywhere. Again, just if you can spell it, you can find it. Yeah, and now you know how to pronounce it too because we went over yes. that in the beginning. It's so good. Guys, seriously, you really need to go out and get this book. It is so good that I had to go get a second highlighter because I was highlighting so much and I ran out of ink, okay? Like oh, it is that good. And there were so many just good one-liners, nuggets that are so applicable to your life. You are doing yourself a disservice if you don't run out and go get this book wherever you buy books. They are everywhere. You can get it. I was searching it up on Amazon to send to a friend earlier today. So make sure that you go out. You get Break Up With What Broke You by Christian Bevere. Check in on her website. Listen to her podcast. Check her out. Christian, thank you so much for being with us today. You are such a blessing. Hey, Jordan. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Make sure that you guys like, comment, and subscribe. And we will see you next time on Life Today Live.